Chapter 24 Low Tide Ronan waited for what seemed like a reasonable length of time and then followed Foylon over the top of the cliff. The grass was cropped short and riddled with rabbit holes, which seemed to be mainly occupied by puffins, clown-like with rainbow bills. The gulls wheeled and cried over the cliffs, but there were no she in sight. Cautiously, Ronan crossed the fields and took the path that skirted the bushes around the back of the castle. The woodland was very dense, with little visibility, and he froze as something rustled in the undergrowth. A large grey rat scuttled across his path, followed by another, and he realised that he had come by way of the midden. Its smell was unmistakable. He could hear voices now, coming from the castle. The back gate of the outer wall was unattended. An island race did not fear incursion, and, as he had guessed, the horn summoned the she to some kind of gathering. He assumed that this would take place in the courtyard. Although Ronan was unfamiliar with this particular castle, he had studied the type in great detail and knew that most castles from this period followed a similar layout. He took the small staircase that spiralled through the thickness of the wall to a turret that, although designed as a lookout post, also afforded a clear view of the courtyard. Keeping himself out of sight, he looked down at the scene of confusion below. The courtyard was a seething mass of dogs and horses and she, some he recognised as members of the visiting host returned from their travels. They were armed with their hunting weapons and everybody was shouting at once. Horses stamped and kicked and dogs ran barking in between their legs. Ronan had never seen the she in warlike mode, but he knew that they were inclined to cattle raids and disputes with neighbouring clans. His main impression was that the timbre of their language had changed and sounded less like the whistling of birds than the roaring of bulls. Given the level of commotion, it was difficult to understand what was going on. Then he noticed that the attention of the crowd was focused on the steps at the back of the castle and saw Fuelon leaning slightly back from the furious commentary of an authoritative-looking she who wielded a cow's horn. Several others, carrying long spears, encircled them. Although Ronan could understand very little of what they were saying, he recognised by their body language the universal scenario of a single member of the pack cornered by all the others. Ronan hated bullies. Growing up as a hypersensitive child in a mainstream school in Tala had given him plenty of experience. He knew neither what the trouble was, although he correctly guessed that he was the source of it, nor if Whalon was in the right or the wrong, but he didn't really care. He just disliked the sight of one creature facing a hostile crowd alone. It reminded him of school. If there was one thing that Ronan understood, it was dramatic timing. The courtyard was in an uproar, but sooner or later there would be a lull. That would be his moment. If he missed it, there would be nothing that he could do. He stood out of sight and listened attentively to the ebb and flow of noise. In a way it helped that he could understand so little of the language, until, for no particular reason, the crowd went quiet. 
Ronan stepped out from behind the wall, and his voice rang into the moment of silence like a bell. I'm here if you want me. His timing was perfect. A split second before or after, and he would have been unheard. The crowd turned in confusion, shouting, gesticulating and pointing in different directions. Ronan stood, arms folded, on the turret, until he was certain that someone had spotted him. Then he stepped behind the wall and vanished. The crowd turned and surged towards him like the sea. Ronan knew how to hide. As a child, it was his most obvious talent. He excelled at hide-and-seek, to the extent that, in one instance, his parents had reported him missing. He was found, hours later, in the narrow gap between the washing machine and the wall. He had not, as they had supposed, gone to sleep. He was simply waiting to be found. It was a skill that had served him well in school. When things became difficult, he hid. Bullies, he found, had a very short attention span and quickly tired of looking. Later, once he had learned to engage an audience, he no longer needed to hide. But he still could if he had to. The trick was knowing not to run, and that the best hiding places were above the line of sight. Ronan trusted that, apart from Foylon and his brothers, none of the she knew that he was able to squeeze into a small enclosed space and remain motionless for hours. He could, his sister had once told him, fit into a crack that would break the legs off a spider. It also helped that Ronan understood the anatomy of castles. By the time that the she, tripping over each other to try and get him, had reached the place where he had been standing, his world was already fading to white. Lamproom grey, skimming stone, elephant's breath, dovetail, Charleston grey, London clay, great white, Kaluna, manor house grey, all white, weavert, matchstick, string. It was early evening and the light was beginning to soften when Ronan heard a movement behind him. Thank you, Foylon whispered into his ear. Time to go. Ronan climbed carefully from his hiding place. Foylon was armed with a blackthorn staff and a hunting bow. Follow me, quiet as you can. They made their way out the back gate of the castle, past the midden, and across the fields to the place where they had left the coracle. Foylon squatted down on the shore, brow furrowed. There's a human idiom I'm trying to think of. What do you say when you're in a lot of trouble and can't see a way out? Something about boats. Upshit Creek without a paddle. Foylon's face cleared. That's it. We're upshit Creek without a paddle. He gripped the side of the caracle. I have to leave the island tonight. The Togon clan will be here in the morning. I expect that Isola will be with them. You can stay behind or you can come with me. I will come with you. Foylon was already in the boat. Stay still, stay quiet, he whispered, 
paddling swiftly out of the inlet. Once past the mouth of the harbour, Foylon breathed a sigh of relief. Nobody saw us. There's a place around the other side of the island where we can cross at low tide. They stayed close to the shore, the paddle barely making a splash as it dipped in and out of the water. They reached the isthmus, which was largely underwater, at dusk, and dragged the coracle into the bushes. Boylon raised his finger to his lips and motioned for Ronan to wait. He returned, leading a black mare with panniers strapped to her saddle, and a familiar-looking pony. Your bastard pony followed our horses. They couldn't get rid of him. Foylon vaulted effortlessly onto his mare. Ronan scrambled up as quietly as he could and followed him down to the shore. The tide was low, but he could see no crossing point. The black mare waded into the water up to her girth and then began to swim, with Hobie plunging after. It was like riding a slippery rocking horse, and Ronan was washed first to one side and then the other, so that he was being towed rather than riding, but each time he managed to pull himself back into place. Ahead, he could see the black mare finding her feet on the shingle beach as she emerged, dripping onto the shore. Foylon turned to Ronan, looking like a centaur in the twilight. Now we have to run. The black mare shook her head with excitement and trotted up the shingle beach. Hobie followed her through the dunes, weaving in and out between the pine trees, until they came to a hard earth track. By now it was almost dark. Foylon crouched low over the mare's neck and she took off down the road. They rode until the moon rose, resting the horses until their breathing slowed and then letting them run. The black mare was swift and silent as a bat, and Hobie, despite his shorter legs, kept pace. The road forked several times, and Foylon chose first one turning and then another without hesitation until they came to a crossroads. He slowed his mare to a walk. I think we need to rest. Ronan nodded. His head had started to hurt again. Hobie followed the black mare up a smaller, steeper track. The bank rose sharply to one side, and he could hear the sound of running water to the other. When the path became too narrow to ride, they dismounted, walking in single file. A huge moon hung on the rim of the sky. Eventually, they came to a track through a hazel thicket that led to a large clearing beneath a rocky crag. They unsaddled the horses and rubbed them down, steam rising in the moonlight, and let them loose to graze. Foylon made a small fire in the shelter of the crag, and Ronan wove the green tops of the hazel bushes together to make a shelter beside it. One of the saddlebags held grain for the horses, the other had some kind of fish, salted and dried, which they ate without cooking. They spread the saddles as sleeping mats and sat in the shelter in silence watching the horses graze. Ronan could smell wood smoke and horses, seaweed and the scent of the she beside him. The fire crackled, sending out showers of sparks. Foylon stared through the firelight into the clearing beyond. I know that we need to talk 
but I couldn't earlier and I can't now. Can it wait till the morning? I can wait. The stars were coming out. Ronan lay on his back and gazed through the branches of the shelter at constellations that were the same but yet different to the ones that he knew. A meteor fell through the atmosphere, trailing a blazing tail. He rolled over and felt the warmth of the fire in his face. The she looked down at him with an expression that he could not read. Are you warm enough? My back is cold. Wailon lay down behind Ronan and put his arm around him. Ronan lay without moving as the breath of the she deepened into sleep. <laughs> 